to our podcast. And since today is our last podcast talking about How Dare the Sun Rise, I first wanted to ask you guys about what was the importance of the exhibition that Sandra and her people created meticulously? I think, hold on, I need to look up what the word meticulously means. (laughs) Because I'm stupid. Uh, okay, so the, okay, so the exhibition that Sandra and her people did really had an impact on her life because obviously throughout the course of the book, it gained her recognition and it got her to even meet the former president of the United States and the first lady, uh, the Obamas. And so it really had a massive impact on her life and eventually uh, it got her out of a deep dark hole that her trauma had put her in because she was suddenly getting very bad nightmares from the massacre. But it also, I think, had a negative impact on her life just because by getting her name out there and doing all of these amazing things, she was well known by her peers and people that disrespected her before were super friendly towards her or she didn't she wouldn't even know them and they would just come up to her and act like she was their lifelong friend. Yeah, yeah people think, started up oh, oh you can go. No, you can go, you're good. No oh okay. All I was gonna say was that I thought that this was pretty symbolic too of what she and her people went through and just like their struggles overall and it just really symbolized what um, they stood for. Yeah, and when she was taking the pictures of people from her tribe, I I believe she was also interviewing them about, interviewing some of them about their experiences. And she was really educating a bunch of people who didn't like, who wouldn't be seeing this on the news in America. And like she said later on in the book how if, a massacre like this had happened in somewhere like Europe or here in America that it would be all over the news and everyone would know about it. And I think that shows how we are somewhat blind to what goes on around the in in the world in places that we don't look at. And I think she was just trying to get us to start looking at those places and get involved and try to help. I think that also connects back to our last podcast when we talked about how she realized that people did care about her situation and she was really taken aback by it because she thought people simply just didn't care about her and what her people went through. But in reality, they didn't know. And so I think that really pushed her to be like, okay, I need to do something big about this. I need to get this message out there. And, and like it's stated in the book, she needed to help remember forgotten people. I think the entire book also just symbolizes bravery because since the very beginning, I mean, we see all the trauma that she goes through. I mean, she loses her sister. She moves to a totally different country. She, Her father get, gets in an accident, falls into a coma, and loses all his memory. And now she's willing to all this information about her and her and her people so I think like this entire book just 
not only does it symbolize, you know, what we just said, but I think it also just shows how brave she is and her people are to still continue to do what they do every day after, after everything. everything, everything. Um, I also wanted to add that I think it was really um, cool watching her um, transition into, like, um, being more comfortable with, like, um, in America and, you know, fitting in more. Um, even though she went through a lot of things, like, a lot of struggles, I think it's really, like, cool to see how much she's grown throughout the book. And now she went from, like, a scared little girl to somebody who's talking about her situation and trying to share it with the world. And I think that's really fascinating to see. Yeah, and I really think she <laughs> got the shaft when it came to life. You know, she kept on getting stuff thrown at her. She was born into war. She dealt with war her entire life, and eventually that caused her to lose her little sister, which is obviously a prominent reason why she wanted people to know their stories, so that she wouldn't be seen as, seen as the youngest child. She would be seen as someone who had a younger sister who had been killed by terrible people. Yeah, and going off of that, um, I thought it was pretty sad to um, read the part where Sandra mentions that whenever her mother introduced Sandra to new people, she would always go like, oh yeah, this is Sandra, my youngest. And then I feel like that was an important part of the book too that Sandra took a big issue with because she felt like her family was trying to erase the existence of Deborah instead of trying to remember her and um, try to carry on her life even though she passed away. Right, and I think that's because she knows that her sister was starting to become forgotten and in the beginning of the book Deborah was a part of everything and then later on in the book it kind of started to die down and then her guilt started to pick back up with she sort of blamed herself for Deborah's death. And so she want, she didn't want to feel that guilt anymore. She decided that she was going to uh, talk about people that were forgotten, including her little sister, and let people know that grieving isn't that easy because she can never visit her sister's grave. She doesn't know where her sister's remains are. They are just they were just thrown into a pile in probably some ditch and then covered up because and that's probably why nobody knows about these things. Yeah, and I feel like it also goes like somewhat towards how she was trying to teach people who knew nothing about what went on there. She was trying to like keep the like the people who did experience those like troubling times she wanted them to not forget because it's it's something that that happened we need to learn from it and we need to remember the people that we lost so she was trying to teach the people that didn't know anything about it while keeping the people who did know about it like trying to get them not to forget yeah and it i thought it was really interesting because men of her culture saw her as incompetent and they saw her as someone who wasn't right to fill the role of someone telling their story of what they went through. And eventually, over time, after they saw her impact and saw her accomplishments, 
they started to believe in her. And so even though she went through all of these things and she was trying so hard to not only embrace her culture but embrace other people's culture, people from her tribe and from her life finally decided she's worth believing in. And then I think we're good to start on another topic. Yeah. So, um, the next topic I was going to ask you guys about is just the whole concept of trauma and how people deal with it. Because you can see how Sandra, she later spirals back into depression and has these, like, flashbacks that lead her to ultimately drop out of college and, um, cut off contact for a while with her family. So, what are your guys' opinions? I know that when someone has gone through trauma and their body is trying to process it, it's not only a mental response, it's a physical response, and your body seems to push away those memories of like something that really messed with your head and it was causing a lot of mental and physical stress, and it pushes it back until it's ready to deal with it. And even though her body was ready to deal with that trauma of losing her sister and losing loved ones and friends and family, she, you know, even though her body was ready for that, I don't think mentally she was prepared for all of the flashbacks and the nightmares. And I think, although it was very depressing for her, and it had a massive impact on her life. I think it really helped her figure out who she was, and it helped her figure out what she wanted to do in life, and here she is now, after writing this book. Yeah, no yeah, flashback. I, I, sorry, you can go. You can go, you can go, sorry. All right, so I think the flashbacks, they also sort of helped her, like you said, they helped her learn her learn what she wanted to do because once she started having those flashbacks she she left college and she moved to i think it was brooklyn and she sort of started to gain confidence there after dating rocco and with that confidence she she spoke place she kept pursuing her like activism with the causes that she wanted to represent and i think that while those flashbacks were very traumatic and hard to deal with they helped they helped her in the, in the long run yeah going back to what natalie said about um pushing back like the trauma i think that's what uh, sandra's mom did when uh like sandra was gonna go visit the refugee camp because she got all defensive and didn't even want to open up to the possibility of going back to one and I think yeah, um, that's pretty realistic and fine because she just she lost so many uh, of her family that night, and um, that's like an awful thing for a mother just to lose their youngest child. So yeah, yeah I, I think she dealt with the child fine. Yeah, and I think that goes um, with the fact that uh, people deal with it differently. Like for everybody, it's different. So. Yeah, you could see with Sandra's mom that she didn't want to, like, think about it or revisit the, the um, refugee camps where Sandra did want to and she didn't want to run away from it or hide from it. She wanted to face it instead. 
Yeah, and I have a... Oh, my bad. No, my bad. You can go. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, But, yeah, I was just going to go off what Natalie said. Since, um, you know, she said that she might have been physically ready, but mentally she wasn't. I think that, you know, that's really true because her family, I don't think, well, more her parents, they weren't either physically nor mentally re- ready. Like, we just, like, one of you just mentioned that when she mentioned the idea of going back to one of the camps, the mom was totally against it. But, you know, she kept, she, I think her trauma really came back because she just kept reminding herself of it. She just, you know, I don't, she never got really, got rid of her guilt. And she was afraid of people forgetting her sister. So just the constant reminder of her sister and everything she went through caused all these nightmares I would think but you know it obviously all worked out for her in the end yeah and I had a quote for the part about um, Sandra and her mother not wanting to talk about Deborah, and it was she continued to cook and I stopped talking about it mom didn't want to remember that how me I felt differently memories of Deborah and the massacre haunted me lurking in the back of my mind, but I wanted to conquer that fear. And I think that encompasses what someone said with the last topic, where this book really, really is about bravery. You know, she, again, she was born a war child, and she had to flee to a new country just so that she wouldn't get killed, you know? And it she's just been through so much and it it seems absolutely crazy to think that something like this could happen to someone and this was in recent years too you know like just six years ago she was you know doing most of her successful things maybe even eight years ago and it shows that just because you've gone through a lot doesn't mean that you can't do something and I think that goes back to the encompassing theme of the entire book where she's breaking those stereotypes of African people where people are like oh did you live in a grass hut or they they assume that just because they live in another country means that they don't have as much as they do and of course that could be the case but they have more of an appreciation for life and I feel like that also goes along with she has an appreciation for her sister's life and her tribe's life and that is why she's trying to speak about it yeah and I feel like um when she went back to the refugee camps she kind of got immersed in her old life again, and you can kind of see her being nostalgic and sad over what happened uh, in the previous years when the massacre occurred. And uh, when she found an uncle, I think, or one of her mom's brothers, and the fact that they were offering her the most precious thing that they could, which was water and food, I feel like that was pretty interesting to see as well. Yeah, and then 
oh, while she was in the camp, obviously she wanted to do that to conquer her fear. And she really reflected on her life uh, when she was a child, when she walked into that camp. And when she talked to the 13-year-old Francine, she realized, oh my gosh, this is what I was like. I didn't see a future outside of the camp. I didn't see a life for myself. And here she is, this very, very successful woman. And she's a women's rights advocate. She has done so many amazing things in her time. And that little girl just couldn't see any of it, any of it being possible. Yeah, and like in that part too, you can see Sandra asking her, like specifically, like, don't you want to see what's outside? Don't you want to do more than what you're doing? And the girl kind of just like says, not really, I can't really imagine that. And I think it's kind of um, reflective, like you said, Natalie, on Sandra as well, because she felt like she was in that little girl's shoes and she was younger and she couldn't wrap her head around the fact that there was something bigger, something better to do outside of that place. And I think that was the moment she really understood everything once together, if that makes sense. Like she, I think once she talked to this little girl and saw basically herself in her, that's when she really was like, okay, then like, I really didn't understand that there was a life outside of here because they just don't know just like the people a lot of people here in the U.S. don't know about their situation they don't know that the people in these camps don't know that there's a life outside of a camp and that they can be successful yeah so I think we talked about that topic enough, so I wanted to move on to the topic of how the opinions of her family and her grandparents changed um, on the topic of education after seeing Sandra's success. So, obviously in her culture, she, well, Obviously, education is very valued for boys, but not necessarily for girls. And the way her grandparents changed their views because of what she had done, it really shows that she needed to do these things, not only for herself, not only for those who were being forgotten, but for people who are still alive and didn't you know, they were just completely ignorant to the fact that this could really help someone. And this is a little bit off topic, but um, I think there's a similar situation here in America where obviously with the dress code, it's a lot of the don't show your shoulders and don't show your stomach kind of thing. It, they say a lot of the time it's to not distract the boys. And... I think it really shows that a girl being comfortable is less important than a boy's education and it can be really detrimental to someone's mindset but 
because of the house that Sandra grew up in, she learned from a very young age that education was very important and that shows in her actions today. Yeah, and I think that her grandparents' mindset about how like women shouldn't or like they shouldn't exactly have as much schooling, I guess, sort of it sort of relates to what the people in her tribe were thinking about when she was being an activist for her tribe and talking about what their experiences were because they didn't think that she was either mature enough or ready to talk about that stuff and once they finally started seeing that hey this is this is doing something here then they started to accept it and they were proud of her and they well they were happy for her I think just through the entire book, like you just said, like we, we see that, um, you know, the school and her, obviously we know that where she's from, the girls don't get that much education and the boys are, you know, better, if you would say, but, you know, and then throughout the book, we see that as she experiences things, people's mindset changed, hers and herself and other people, like, when she went to the camps, she finally, like, I think I, well, I saw that, you know, she, her mindset finally was like, this is what really happened to me, you know, and her grandparents, now that they see her as a successful woman, they're like, oh, well, maybe a woman can go to school and should go to school, so I think throughout the book, we just see as she experiences things and as she shows other things, people's mindsets really change. And I feel like, a lot of that is attributed to her older sister princess because obviously the first speech she ever gave was at her church when princess couldn't give the speech and so i think that that opportunity although she was nervous really empowered her to try and do things that in her culture would be frowned upon because she knew that it was something that needed to be done and even when she's giving these speeches, like when she was literally in the same place as like Oprah Winfrey and all of these other places, she, you know, she had her sister princess there with her and she was always there for her. And even when she wasn't, I feel like her courage came from her older sister. Yeah, and I feel like it's just kind of sad to think about the fact that um, the fact that women are seen as inferior to men still occurs in some cultures today. And just knowing that, it really like makes you think about the whole world in perspective and open your eyes to what's going on currently. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think it's really great that we got to see that she changed their opinions and that they finally realized that women do have the ability to, you know, use their education for good things like Sandra did. Yeah, and I think it sort of shows how people, they're going to have their assumptions on what something's going to be like or what something's going to do. And that could be a negative or positive assumption. But once it finally happens, they change, completely change their mind or they see that, hey, I was right about this which I think is a pretty like not good thing to do because we need to be open-minded to 
whatever's going on at the beginning of it, not only when something good comes out of it, not when it benefits us. Yeah, so moving on, uh, the next topic I wanted to touch upon was the divide between white and black people within our college, because you can see in the book that Sandra dedicates a couple of chapters to this, and um, what are you guys' thoughts? Yeah, one way the um, divide was shown was in her dating life. Because at the college, like, white men dated white women, and black men also dated white women. So, like, there was no room for black women. And um, this was, and just, like, one time Sandra and this white guy were, like, pretty interested in each other. And so he said, like, oh, you're so pretty for a black girl. As, like, as if, like, black girls weren't supposed to be pretty. So I think that kind of sums up the divide. Yeah, and then also, um, in the situation where they were setting up basically this club for the black community and for the culture of black people, um, and the one kid decided it was a good idea to put white chains on the outside of the room, and he decided to change the sign. I forget what he changed it to, but... It really shows that people are extremely immature, and Sandra wasn't even a part of slavery. She lived in Africa her whole life, and sure, there were wars going on, but she, there was nothing to do with that. And it shows that people really make assumptions just based off of your skin color. And it, I actually felt repulsed by the actions people were taking, and especially with when this girl was crying in, I think it was the common room at her college, she sat down with her and tried to see what was wrong, and the girl just perked up immediately and said, Can I touch your hair? Your skin feels so smooth. When I close my eyes, it's almost like you're white. And it really shows that people really are very ignorant when it comes to how people are, and especially when it comes to people's personalities, and the way they look and act, they're treated almost inhuman. Yeah, and in the big read, whoa, <laughs> she was, after she finally shared her story to the public, those that were really rude to her were like, oh, you know, and they, they were really surprised that she had been through something so traumatic and so hard that they suddenly were now nice to her, which... I mean, obviously, good thing that their hearts change, but even if you don't know somebody's background story, that doesn't give you the right to, you know, discriminate anyone or make fun of them for any reason. And I think that relates to today a lot, because obviously she had voted for Barack Obama in, I think it was 2012, and she felt she felt very proud of herself, and obviously these were um, the first black people in office. And, you know, when they went into office, it showed a lot of younger people, especially people that were black or people of color, that they can do something. And even this year, with the vice president being Kamala Harris, 
it's showing a lot of little girls who look exactly like her that they can have an impact and they can make a difference and they can do amazing things and I'm hoping one day instead of judging people off of their skin color people judge each other off of you know their personalities and what they can do yeah I, I want to add on to what you said there I, I like once she finally, or once she was getting into those big events with the UN and at the White House, I think she was starting to realize how what she was doing was very like influential and important to a lot of people, and that she was like really helping, and how she needed to keep keep going, and how she was getting more people to become activists and try to help. Yeah, and I, um, since our podcast is kind of coming to a close, I just wanted to ask another question, which was, what are your overall opinions on this book, and how does the concept of dehumanization tie into this whole story? Well, I think really everywhere Sandra went, everywhere she lived, everywhere she visited, she was an outcast, you know, when she was with her people in her village and uh, people saw her, they saw her as Rwandan. When she went to Rwanda, she was seen as Congolese. When she went to her schools, she was seen as different because she was black. When she went back to the refugee camp and saw all of these people, she thought she would fit in. But in reality, she had been so, quote, Americanized, and she was completely different from these people. Everywhere she went, she noticed that she was different. And it really shows that even though being different isn't a bad thing, that can lead to dehumanization and the way that people treat others. And obviously, when back to the subject where when she was in the Congo, she was referred to as Rwandan. She had never been to Rwanda, but they associated her with a group and that she had noth like nothing to do with and I don't know, it, it can really spark some really bad ideas for people and it can cause a lot of self-doubt. And I think it show, sort of shows how people think that if you aren't like me, then I'm going to treat you differently than how than how I'm treated because it it sort of goes to how like boys' education over girls' education, and then how people would look at like I guess they would look at Sandra when she first came to America, and then it sort of goes how people in Africa would look at Sandra when she was like Americanized, I guess. But it shows how people, I guess, like I said earlier, if you aren't like me, I'm going to treat you differently. Yeah, and going off uh, what Natalie said, in the book, we, there was like a scenario where she, when she finally got her American citizenship, and somebody asked her, you know, what are you? Like, where are you from? And she said she was an American, and they kind of laughed at her saying, like, no, where are you from, you know? She was like really confused by it 
and it really threw her off and so like no matter what place or time she lived in her life she somehow faced some sort of dehumanization or some kind of judgment by people just because of her skin color and you know her coming from a different country and having to learn American culture and the language so no matter what she did she faced dehumanization but throughout the entire book we see that no matter what stand or or battle she was facing she never gave up and like I said earlier the whole book just I think just shows how brave someone can be and relating to what Catherine just said I really think that people do judge each other based off of their skin color and um, this is shown in today's society where this person was just minding their own business and this white person walks up to them and says go back to your country based off their skin color that person was Native American so right away it really doesn't seem quite right because it should be switch the other way around if you're talking logically and it shows that people just right off the bat especially white people they have this prejudice towards people of color or black or indigenous people and it it's insane how people just have no knowledge on anything and their ignorance leads to more ignorance, and then that feeds on to other generations and other issues. Yeah, so, um, I think we covered all the topics that, uh, we needed to, unless you guys have something to add. Um, I just wanted to add that I really enjoyed reading this book, and it's definitely one of my favorites that I've read because it was different from, you know, the books that I have read before, and I just think it's a good way for people to learn about, um, distance-like areas, like where Sandra was from. Yeah, and this book is a really good eye-opener for people because... Sandra is obviously she embraces the culture of America she embraces all different kinds of cultures while still respecting her own and I think it's really good for people who you know need an eye-opener need a book to read or it's really good for just an, an everyday read or a lot of people have a lot of African stereotypes in their head and this is a good one to diminish that because you think of Africa you think of huts and tribes and hunting and everything but especially in Western Africa that just isn't the case all right if everyone has speed their thoughts uh, this was really fun. I really, really liked making this podcast. So, yeah. Uh. How, how do we end this? Uh, <laughs> thank you for listening to our podcast. And, yeah.
<laughs> yeah, it's been a pleasure working with all of you. Alright. Thank you, everybody. Uh, I guess I'll just do the usual. Bye-bye! Bye! -bye. Bye.